Good morning, Veritas. My name is Mark, one of the pastors here. And this morning, I'm a walking billboard reminding all of us to pray for our college students as they, as they come back into town. Many of them were so excited. This is such a fun time of year uh, to, get, to get students back, uh, back to town. So um, if you're a college student, uh, as Brian said, you know, you're in the right place. Uh, so we're excited to get this year started. So this is, a lot of them aren't here yet. They'll be here next week and streaming in. But this is a reminder to us to, to be praying uh, for what God's going to do this year with our college students. So this morning, uh, if we're starting a four-part series on prayer. Now, when I think of prayer, I don't know how you feel as a listener, but this is how I feel as a pastor when I get the topic of prayer. Um, nothing can evoke uh, feelings of guilt quicker than hey, Mark, uh, you want to preach on prayer? Uh, because who of us in this room feels like, man, oh, totally, I'm the expert on that topic. I know that uh, Billy Graham said that one of his biggest life regrets was that he wished he would have prayed more. And people that knew him said he prayed all the time. So I don't know if you ever get to a point where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the, the master of this. So I think we need to start this series and this morning by admitting this fact we're not amazing at prayer, but we're eager to grow, right? Are you eager to grow this morning? I am. I, I, I'm leaning in. I want to I wanna grow. Um, so this is kind of a, um, I hope it will be a guilt-free sermon on prayer. This is like a guilt-free zone. And I hope to set the bar really low so that average Christians like us can make it over the bar. So we're going to hopefully be encouraging this morning to just lean in with the desire to grow and, and just to uh, get to know the Lord more in prayer. So average Christians like us, we need to keep it simple. So we're teaching this series as an acrostic. You can see here it is, Adora it's Acts, Acts. Adoration, week one. Next week, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So that's our four-week series right there in an acrostic. So today, we start with adoration. Why do we start our prayers with adoration? Well, it's because that's how Jesus taught us to start our prayers, with adoration. Adoration, that word that means a deep love and respect for God. That's where we begin. So before we uh, learn how to pray and how to start with adoration, Jesus puts a little warning label on this whole prayer thing. So if you have a Bible open to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be in verses 5 through 9. In his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches on prayer. So who better to learn from than Jesus when it comes to prayer? So let's see what insights Jesus has for us this morning. We're in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. All right, we're going to have three simple points 
to this, this sermon, and uh, I'll just give you all the points. You ready for it? This is the sermon, so if you want to check out after this, you can, or need to use the restroom. Keep it, here it is. Keep it simple, or sorry, keep it secret, keep it simple, keep it sacred. Those are our points. And the first one is keep it secret. This is what Jesus teaches us. Keep it secret. Here's why. Prayer, fundamentally, prayer is not a performance for people. That's the first point. Keep it secret. Prayer is not a performance for people. Jesus talks about this desire to be seen praying. The religious leaders, they love to be seen. So they stand on the street corners and want people to see them praying. Now, here's the great thing about this part of Jesus' sermon. We can skip over this warning because we know that modern men and women, men and women, we have uh, obviously progressed beyond this temptation. I just don't see this being an issue for us. I think back in the first century, people like to be seen praying, so we've progressed beyond that. So let's move on to the next point here. Are you kidding me? We are a culture obsessed with attention. And this is kind of a weird temptation, isn't it? If you stop and just think about this, what's up with this desire to be seen by people? We have a word for this. You know what it is, this, this phrase? Uh, virtue signaling. Virtue signaling, that's like what social media is. Like it's a big, green, flashing, neon signal, arrow pointing to me. And, and what is the... What is the thing that I'm trying to draw attention to about me. Here's what I need you to know about me. I am a good person. I need to signal my virtue. Like, I am a good person, and we, we all do this. We all want this. I, I need you to know how much I hate sex trafficking, how much I hate racism, how much I hate abortion, how much I hate all the bad things that people do out there. I need you to know that. And I need you to know with my Bible open and coffee in the background, like how good my quiet time was this morning. And to see the highlights in my Bible, like I need, I need you to know about this. Why? Why do I need you to know that? It, it, it's, why do I need to feel the need to impress you with how good I am? It's a way of, of justifying myself. Living in a world without God, but just people, like I'm living under you. I, I, who am I fearing? I fear you. I fear your opinion. I need your approval and your opinion and, and Jesus says, hey, your father sees what's done in secret. The thing about prayer is when it's secret, our secrecy shows our sincerity, doesn't it? When God is the only one that knows, what does that show? It shows who I care about, whose approval I want. When it's only the Lord that knows about it, because there's no one there to see it. it. It shows the sincerity of prayer when we pray in secret. And 
when you pray in secret, he says, your father will reward you. It's exhausting to live that kind of life of trying to impress other people, isn't it? Isn't that exhausting? So what a relief here at point number one. What a relief to us that we have no one to impress with our prayers. Isn't that good news? Like, we, we don't need to have these, I mean, what better way to impress other Christians than to pray big with big theological words and use all the Bible verses that we've memorized and be able to quote them in front of other Christians and they can say, wow, Mark is a real Christian. Like, what a relief that we don't have to do that. Isn't that good news? That's, I think that's great news. Uh, here's a second warning that Jesus puts on this whole, it's like a warning label on this whole prayer topic. Verse 7, he says, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. This is more good news on the topic of prayer. Point number two, keep it simple. Prayer is not a performance for God. Keep it simple. Prayer is not a performance for God. And he talks about, he uses this phrase, don't babble like the Gentiles. One of the most ancient religions that I had an experience with, uh, uh, Jeff and I traveled to this place called Xiaha, China. It's in this uh, almost like Tibetan mountain range. Uh, it took us quite a while by bus, lots of winding roads. Like, the, you know, we ended up in the mountains, we're like, you know, 10 to 15,000 feet in elevation. There's this Tibetan monastery. It's the second largest uh, uh, Tibetan monastery outside of Tibet. And we were up there, I'm leading worship and I've got gloves on. I, I cut the ends off my gloves. It was freezing cold, there was no heat anywhere. And these, uh, these monks would walk around and the, and the old women, there'd be old women and children and everyone in these uh, in those kind of brownish orange robes. And they'd be walking around all day spinning these prayer wheels. And we'd go by the temple and see these people all over this town and in this temple praying nonstop. Why? They believe that the more that you spun your prayer wheels, the more insight you gain and you send out positive energy into the world. So the more they pray, the more positive energy goes out into the world. And so they would pray nonstop, all day. Now, that's, a, what, that's almost exactly what Jesus would have been talking about when he talks about babbling like the pagans, right? Uh, praying in a way that, that is just uh, almost like meaningless repetitions to serve your God so that your God will see your effort and will answer your prayers. And even in Christianity, even in certain traditions of Christianity, maybe you were raised this way saying, 
you know, hey, if you repeat this prayer three times on this special occasion or 10 times, say this prayer over and over 10 times and, and God will, will hear and you'll get a special blessing. This is exactly the kind of thing that Jesus is warning us about. Now, it's not that you couldn't pray a prayer 10 times with sincerity and authenticity. That's, that's not the point. But he's saying, kind of asking this question, why is this babbling repetition so tempting for us? Why is it so appealing? I think it's because we use prayer as sort of this religious meter. It's like a prayer is a measuring device that shows how devoted we are to God. Have you ever thought about prayer that way? I do. Like, what's the quickest way to make me feel guilty about my relationship with God? Say, how's your prayer life? And instantly I'm like, Oof, I don't know if I'm a Christian. <laughs> it, we see it as kind of like it's directly proportional to how I'm doing in my relationship with God. Now, there may be uh, some truth to that, but this idea that I'm just gonna keep on babbling and speaking because the more I pray, the more God is likely to hear me. And then we become no different than those monks spinning prayer wheels. So I wanna at this point warn you of something. This is, this is how I would say this, this, the warning label for this point. Beware of the Shamu principle. Do any of you guys know who Shamu is? Some of you guys are, some of you guys have been around to see Shamu down at SeaWorld, right? The, this, this amazing show, Shamu, the massive killer whale, the orca that was captured in the wild. This is back in the early 60s. And now I think they just call all their whales Shamu. But the original Shamu whale was, was trained, uh, this, they, they caught this whale, they trained it, this apex predator that snacks on great white sharks has been trained using a little fish, right, to, to jump out of the water, comes roaring out of the wire, water to bursting out of the water to do these crazy tricks. Why? So they can get this little fish that this trainer, this helpless trainer is holding up. And it's a spectacle, isn't it, to see this massive beast bursting out of the ocean and there's this helpless little trainer with a fish. Okay, beware of the Shamu principle when it comes to prayer. What does this have to do with prayer? God, here's a fish. Here's a treat. Now do your trick. And that's how we interact with God. Have you ever met someone who is angry with God because they prayed and God didn't answer their prayer? Probably all of us, probably all of us have felt that way. God, what's up with this? Like I prayed about this and you almost did the opposite thing. Jesus says about this, 
your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Just think about this. Right now, in this moment, God knows exactly what you need more than you know what you need. And I think this is why adoration comes before supplication. The worship and awe of God comes before all of your requests to God. We're going to get to supplication. Like definitely do that. But start with adoration, the awe of God. I love how Tim Keller says this. I, I don't listen to many Tim Keller sermons because it makes me feel terrible about myself. Uh, the guy's just brilliant and says all the things I would want to say if I was smart enough to say it that way. Uh, but listen to what K Tim Keller says. I think this is so insightful on prayer. And, and it, it connects to this, this thing that Jesus says, your father in heaven, he knows, he knows the things you need before you ask him. Tim Keller says this, God answers every prayer you would have prayed if you knew everything that he knows. Like we, we know this, right? Like we're praying for things. We're asking God to, for things and to do things. We don't really know exactly what we need. We know what we want. All of us know what we want. And we should put that before God. Like, Lord, here's all the things. Like, here's my emotions. Here's all the stuff I want you to do. We should, well, and we'll get there, supplication. But we know that God actually knows what we need. That's what Jesus teaches on prayer, is that he knows what you need before you ask it. So what, what is the point then of going on and on like we're informing God about all the things he doesn't know about in our lives, right? We babble on because we think that we're informing God about all this stuff and God's like, nah, it's, it's way simpler than that. God already knows, he gets it. So just, just come to him Keep it simple. Prayer is not informing God. Prayer is knowing God. It's being in awe of God. And for those of you who might be a little exhausted by prayer, isn't it a relief to you that God rewards secret and simple prayer? Your father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't go on babbling with many words like the people who don't know God. God, your father, he knows what you need before you even go to ask him. You can keep it simple. All right, so prayer is not a performance for people. It's not a performance for God. So what is it? Now let's get to the point here. Verse 9, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. That's how it begins. That's how a prayer begins. And I think it's so cool that uh, when God... The disciples asked Jesus in another place, like, hey, can you teach us how to pray? And he's like, okay, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, 
let your name be honored as holy. Uh, you know, I, oftentimes I hear people say, like, how should a Christian pray? Well, just pray whatever you want. Just say whatever you want. That, that's actually not how Jesus responded to the question, how should we pray? He, he responds with, this is how you do it. And, it. and the prayer begins with adoration. Hallowed. You, some of you guys are like, wait, I thought, it, I thought it's hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Why, why does the CSB translate it, your name be honored as holy? Well, this word hallowed uh, means sanctified. Sanctified be your name. It's actually the first prayer request of the Lord's Prayer. When you say hallowed be your name or sanctify your name, you're asking God to do something. What are you asking him to do? That word sanctify means to set apart something as holy. So the first request of the Lord's Prayer and the way it starts is, Father, let your name be set apart as holy. Let your name be deserve. your name is deserving of awe. Help my heart to give you the awe that you deserve. That's how it begins. So why does Jesus start with the, our prayers with adoration, that idea of deep love and respect? Here's the last point. When it comes to prayer, keep it sacred. Keep it sacred. Prayer is a relationship with the God who made you and loves you. Isn't that the exact perspective change that you and I need in our lives? Just think about this. When you go through your life without prayer, what do you see? Let's just think about it. Let's, let's imagine going through a day without any prayer in your life. What do you see? What you see are all your problems and your power to fix them. Because when you're living in a life without prayer, you're living in a life without God. So you're just kind of going through your life and all you see is like all your problems and what you can do about it, what you can do to fix them. Now, where does that leave you? Where does a prayerless life, a life without adoration of God, where does that leave you? Anxious and afraid. That's where it leads you. So what happens when you pray? When you pray, so you're, you're walking through life prayerless, and all you see are all these problems and your power to fix them. And when you pray and you look up our Father in heaven, so you're looking up and out at God, now you are factoring in the awesome presence of God into your life. God comes into the equation and it changes everything, doesn't it? This is like a Copernican revelation. This Copernican revolution, you know, uh, this discovery that, oh wait, the sun and everything is not revolving around the earth. Like the earth is not the center of the universe. That's what happens when you pray. It's like, whoa, the entire universe doesn't revolve around me and my problems. 
I revolve around something much greater, God, and he's in control, and he loves me. He's my father in heaven. Let me illustrate this point this way. So about 10 years ago, one of my boys was eight years old, and he started a mowing business, which means 10 years ago, I started a mowing business. And I hope uh, my son invests in zero-turn lawnmower. You ever seen those? Like a little zero-turn, like, it's like riding a go-kart around your lawn. I just goes, it's awesome. It's great. Life-changing. And really, I just wanted an excuse to get a zero-turn lawnmower so he could start a business that I could use his mower. Uh, so anyways, this worked out okay, but we started getting more lawns. And over time... We've gotten quite a few lawns and upgraded mowers. We've got commercial mowers and 52-inch deck. I mean, these mowers, like nine miles an hour, we're flying through lawns, just, just getting them done like crazy. It's awesome. But sometimes I have mowing nightmares. And in this nightmare, all of our mowers are broken down and I have like this 10,000 acre field to mow. And all of our mowers are broken down. Now, this is not like a super hypothetical situation because even right now I've got a belt that's broken on one of our mowers. But here I am in this nightmare. All of our mowers are broken. And so this is, this is the nightmare. Here's the picture of me in my nightmare. <laughs> all right. 10,000 acres, and this is what I got. Now, what does this mower represent? This mower represents what I can do with my power. How fast I can walk or run, how much energy I have, that's it. That's the mowing in the power of Mark. Now, that nightmare with you and looking at that now, now mower, now imagine a field like the size of Iowa that you have to mow. That nightmare is you without prayer. That's you with God factored out of the equation of your life. But life is much scarier than that nightmare, isn't it? I just ask you the question, what are you looking out at today? What's like the 10,000 acre field that you're looking out at? Maybe it's, it's like the thing in your life that you can't control it's the thing in your life that you know you don't have the power to do it. It makes you overwhelmed. It creates anxiety. It creates fear. What is that thing in your life? Is it something coming up this next week? Is it starting classes, starting school, starting residency, starting a new job? Maybe you lost a job, you have no job, you don't like your job, 
Maybe it's a difficult relationship. Maybe the 10,000 acre field that you're staring at with your little push mower is your health. It's rusting out. It's breaking down. And maybe you're even looking at potentially death. And you know that you are powerless to change that. When I'm in my little mowing nightmare, all I see is my problem. But when I pray, Father in heaven, I just say those words, Father in heaven. Guess what happens? My entire perspective, I look up from my problems and I look up to the Lord. And what do I see? Prayer is like sliding open the doors to God's warehouse. And this is what I see. All of a sudden, my nightmare changes. And what do I see? This, my friends, is the German-made Klaus Cougar. It's the largest self-propelled mower in the world. With a cutting width of 46 feet, this thing mows around 15 to 20 miles an hour. 46 foot wide sections. Everything changes. All of a sudden I'm like, oh, 10,000 acres, that's gonna be a blast. I'm just gonna sit in there in the air conditioning, listening to Spotify and just mowing and having a great time. And this represents what I cannot do in my own power. So let's go back to the image, the first image. That's the prayerless life. Next image. That's the life with God factored into the equation. All of a sudden, the thing you're so scared about becomes something you can laugh at, even death itself. Because God is eternal, and he promises eternal life for those who believe in him. A prayerless person only sees what they can do in their strength. A prayerful person sees what God and his power can do. Your name, Lord, be honored as holy. Prayer is opening our eyes and becoming aware of the presence of God. So the question is, do you live your life in the awareness of God's presence? That's the encouragement this morning. It's not get your prayer wheel and start going to work. No, it's open your eyes and live your life in the awareness of God's presence. And you can walk around like I have this past week, just God, your name be honored as holy. Oh Lord, I'm seeing this news, these terrible tragedies that are happening, natural disasters. Lord, would you let your name be honored as holy on that Hawaiian island? Oh God, I'm visiting a brother who's sick in the hospital. 
Lord, Father in heaven, would you just honor your name as holy in my brother's life, in his family? God, in my job, could you just, through my life working here, just honor your name as holy? God, this work seems so meaningless. Would you bring, like, your glory into this somehow? Help me to see you and honor you in this. God, here's this thing that I want, but Lord, most of all, your name be honored as holy. God, I'm going into this sport, sporting event or performance, musical performance or whatever. God, would you, Father, would you honor your name as holy in this? God, I'm headed into this surgery. I'm either doing the surgery or I'm in the surgery. God, through this, would you honor your name as holy? I want to give you the awe that you deserve in this. And just slide open the doors to God's warehouse and see what his power is able to do. And I want to end with this thought, our Father in heaven. And I just want to say, God is not just automatically your father. Do you, do you know what I'm saying here? That you are not just automatically born into God's family. How do you get the right to call God your father? John 1, 12 tells us, it says, but to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, nor of the will of flesh, or of the will of man, but born of God. How do you gain the right to call God your father? How do you enter into God's family and become a child of God? It says to all who received him, to all who called on his name, you must receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's how you that's like how prayer begins. The first prayer you got to pray is, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I receive you into my life. So as we end and we're about to pray, I just want to ask, do you have a relationship with God? Jesus is inviting you into this kind of interactive relationship with him where you call him Father, but do you know him this morning? And if you want to, if you're not sure about that, I want to invite you to start a relationship with God even right now. So would you pray with me? We're going to close with prayer. Let's open our eyes to the awareness of God here in this moment. So Jesus taught us to pray, our Father. Do you know God as Father? Have you ever started a relationship with God? Maybe you're not sure and you would like to start a relationship with God. Can I just lead you in a prayer right now? If you're unsure if you know God, 
you're not sure where you stand with God. I want to invite you to start a relationship with him right now. And John 1.12 tells you how. Just receive him. Say, Jesus Christ, I admit that I'm a sinner. I am lost without you. Just admit that. Jesus, I'm a sinner. And, and I turn away from my sin. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I invite your lordship into my life. And I commit my life to you. I want to follow you. I want to get baptized. I want to obey you. I want to seek you with the, my whole life. you've received him now just begin the journey of living in the awareness of his presence call him father walk with him through every moment of every day say God father your name be honored as holy be be honored as holy in our church Lord be glorified we pray in Jesus name amen